three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglore. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program. We're going to preview the Bears-Cowboys game coming up on Sunday, plus... Talk with Chris Bowden, the WGN9 TV sports anchor. Talk with him extensively about some Bears football, his new job at WGN, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook John Zaglua. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Want to start today with this. Getting harder and harder to trust the national media. They did say the Bears would be the worst team in football. Obviously not true. They've hyped up teams that really shouldn't have been hyped up. And they're going to continue to get things wrong until somebody says something. They want clicks. They want hatred. They want division. So they purposefully, at times, in my opinion, get things wrong. But they shouldn't. It was a no-brainer that the Bears were not going to be the worst team in football. No-brainer. There shouldn't have been even a conversation around it, and yet, there was. Many. And they got Bears fans mad. That was the whole point of the exercise. But there's a bias around some of the teams they support. Like the Dallas Cowboys, for example. I know the Cowboys are 5-2. and two. I know they have some decent players, but I like to think they're more of an enigma. I don't buy the success they've had so far. Think about this. Cooper Rush has come in, filled in for Dan Prescott, who's been hurt. Goes 4-1 and one as a starting quarterback. Five touchdowns, three picks, five games, 1,000 yards. He's averaging about 200 yards per game, about one touchdown per game, and almost one pick per game. An 80.1 passer rating. Those are extremely unimpressive numbers. How the hell did the Cowboys win? Well, let's look at some of the teams they faced. Okay, the Bengals, Giants, Commanders, Rams, lost to the Eagles, and then beat the Lions last week with Dak. Their schedule's been all over the place. And they've lost games that they should have lost, by the way. They, they had no match for the Eagles. And they were no match for the Buccaneers, too. The point is, I don't think they've really faced enough quality opponents to judge just how good they are, to judge the record they have. I think a lot of it's smoke and mirrors, and I think a lot of it's predicated on their defense and run game 
rather than the quarterback. Last week, Dak Prescott, back from injury against the Lions, only had 200 passing yards, one touchdown, no picks. I'm not impressed by what Dallas brings to the table this week. I'm not sold on what they're trying to sell me and everybody, and what the media keyboard is trying to sell everybody. The national media continues to hype up the Cowboys because they're America's team. America's team, my ass. I don't buy this. And I know at some point it is going to come crashing down. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. And I think if they continue to meet their maker week in, week out, they may not even make the playoffs. Go on it right now. They have a lot of injuries, and they have a tougher schedule coming up. They got the Packers, the Vikings, the Giants again. The Eagles again. Nothing is guaranteed for the Cowboys. And with their head coach on the hot seat, Dak Prescott trying to get back from an injury, Ezekiel Elliott out, I think anything's possible. So this week, the Bears and the Cowboys will face off on Fox at New York. I don't think this is going to be a runaway Cowboys win. I think this is going to be a very close game. And now I'm predicating all this based on last week's performance for the Bears. I'm assuming that the Bears could build off or at least match what they did last week. What did they do that allowed them to win? Well, they forced Mac Jones to be Mac Jones, which caused Bailey Zapp to come in. Then they forced Bailey Zapp to be Bailey Zapp. They got takeaways. They blitzed and pressured their quarterbacks. They ran the hell out of the football. And Justin Fields stepped up and did what he needed to do when asked to do it. Other than that, he was a great game manager. That's how the Bears won. Designed runs for Fields, helped open up the passing game, kept the defense off balance, and the Bears cruised to a huge win and scored 33 points. I think it's going to be much of the same for this week. Very similar in the game plan for the Bears. Now, number one, I would say this. Pressure the hell out of Dak Prescott. His safety blanket is Ezekiel Elliott. I know there's a running back controversy in Dallas. I know that Tony Pollard is younger and a little bit more productive now, but that said, Dak trusts Zeke. He is Dak's safety blanket. Without him in the game, it's going to be harder for Dak to complete passes, harder for Dak to lean on somebody near the line of scrimmage. If there's going to be a lot of pressures, Dak may more than often take the sack or throw a pick and make a mistake. Pressure the hell out of Dak Prescott. Keep him off balance. With Zeke not in, with his safety blanket gone, Dak is a different player, by the way. Dak does not win as much as when Zeke plays with him. He loses a lot more of the time when Zeke is out, either due to suspension or injury. That's a statistical record, by the way. This was a big storyline back in 2018, 2019. Not so much now, but it still stands, the concept. Dak Prescott does better when Ezekiel Elliott's in the gang. That's his safety blanket. That's who he relies on and trusts when he's in trouble, when he's being pressured, when there's a screen call, when they need to run the football. It's all Zeke. But when Zeke isn't in, how will Dak adjust? Historically speaking, not good. Now, the Bears are going to have to try and protect Justin Fields. Micah Parsons is the concern. Parsons, eight sacks already, and he is one hell of a defensive player. And there's nothing, very little, you could do to contain him. 
Fields may get sacked, Fields may get beat up, and I would hope the offensive line could hold up a bit. But that is certainly going to be an issue. That's going to be a problem. How can the Bears adjust? How can they protect Fields from Parsons and this Cowboys defense? I think what will protect Fields, similar to what we saw last week, is the run game. There have to be more designed runs for Fields. They have to run the ball more with Herbert and Montgomery. Opens up the pass game. It allows the defense to stay off balance and not know when Fields will run or pass and what he's going to do. That's a big key for the Bears this week. And defensively, do what you do best. Force takeaways. Force Dak Prescott to make a mistake. It's that simple. See, Dak is such a great quarterback when everything's going right around him. He's always had a good offensive line, always had a decent defense, always had good wide receivers and a great running back. Dak has always had everything for himself to succeed. If Dak Prescott ever played a game in a Bears uniform, he'd be a bust. Guaranteed. Dak always has everything. How does he do that when he has nothing? How's he going to do without Zeke, his safety blanket? Who's he going to throw the ball to at the line of scrimmage when somebody's in trouble? What is he going to do? You have to pressure the hell out of Prescott if you want to win. Simple as that. That's going to be the Bears' key on Sunday. Pressure the hell out of Dak Prescott. Force him to make a mistake. Force him to be who he really is. Same advice from last week. The Bears forced Mac Jones to be Mac Jones. And he got taken out of the game. Then they forced Bailey Zapp to be Bailey Zapp, and the rest was history. Forced Dak Prescott to be Dak Prescott. The true Dak Prescott without 10 million weapons around him. That's a fact. Dak cannot perform without Ezekiel Elliott looking up. That's going to be the key for the Bears defensively. That's what they have to game plan for. Force Dak to move. Dak cannot run. He's a big pocket passer. Force Dak to move. Force Dak to be on the run. Force him to not know where to go because Zeke is not playing. That's how you're going to win. That's how you can control the game. My biggest concern is going to be pass protection for fields for the Bears offensively. Parsons is great, and the Dallas defense has led them to a lot of these wins. I mean, Cooper Rush... Like I said, it's done nothing. It's been the Dallas defense and their run game that's propelled them to success, despite not having a starting QB, which is impressive for them. But I think it's going to come crashing down a little bit this Sunday. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. I don't know the betting lines, but I do know this. Expect this to be a one-score game. My prediction officially is going to be Dallas 28 Bears 24. I don't think the Bears will win officially. But under the table, I'll let you in on a little secret. The Bears may win. The Bears might win. And I could see it. But officially, I'm taking the Cowboys. But I hope I'm wrong. And all of this is based off of last week's performance. See, the Bears could do what they did last week, and they're going to run away with this game. They're going to have Dallas stunned and on their asses, wondering what the hell happened. It's very much possible. If you force Dak Prescott to be Dak Prescott, if you exploit the fact that he does not have a safety blanket, he's safety blanket, and Zeke, you might win this game. And if you protect Justin Fields and 
emphasize designed runs for fields. That's the big, big, big key offensive line. The Bears adjusted last game. As the game moved forward, they had more designed runs for fields. And it turned out after the game, which I posted this on Twitter, reported from Mark Grody, the Bears actually had a little bit of play calling in there from the Ravens. Finally, yes. How long have we said this? The Ravens catered an offense to Lamar Jackson. Everybody wanted Lamar Jackson when he was drafted to be a wide receiver, a tight end, or running back. Nobody said he'd be a quarterback. Nobody. But the Ravens did. The Ravens believed in him. And the Ravens found a way to get it done. Cater to Jackson and win. And be great and have him win an MVP. And now he's probably going to get paid millions and millions of dollars. So it was reported that the Bears did something similar. And they took plays from the Ravens' playbook the other night and let Fields run them. And look, it worked. Fields had 80-plus rushing yards in the game. And Fields is one of the best rushers on this team, averaging 5.6 yards per carry. He's averaging more yards per carry than David Montgomery. That was a huge positive that we didn't find out about until a couple days after the game, and it's resonating with me. The Bears are finally showing some evidence that they can cater to Justin Fields. That was the first time I've ever seen them actually make an offense that caters to his strengths, not the Bears, or not Getzes, or Nagy's, or Eberflus's. His. We need to see more of that, and I hope we do on Sunday. If there are more desired runs for Justin Fields, they're going to win this game. They will. If the offense plays like they did on Monday, if the defense could force Dak Prescott to be Dak Prescott, the Bears have a chance to win. A very good one. Hater to Justin Fields. Let him be who he wants to be offensively. Pressure the hell out of Prescott and just protect Fields a bit because of Micah Parsons mainly. And I think you're going to be okay. And I think we're going to see a game that we didn't expect. My official pick is 28-24. to 24. Cowboys win. You can hate me in the comments. And hit me on game day when the Bears do win on the uh, live stream. We're going to do another one of those. But I'm, I'm just going to say that for now. Cowboys win, but like there seems to be every week for this Bears team, there's a path to victory. I was wrong about this Bears team. Every week we talk about a game or a matchup, it seems as if they have a path to victory. And last week they did, even though I picked them to lose miserably. The Bears last week had a path to victory. They followed it. They won. I think the question is going to be moving forward. How much do the Bears want to win? How much can they execute and follow the paths and follow their strengths to a win? There's another way for the Bears to win this week. Protect Justin Fields. Call more designed runs and pressure the hell out of Dak Prescott. Make him be who he really is without Zeke. That's it. You do those three things, you're going to win. And we're going to be celebrating again. That's why I said I might have been wrong about this team fully because every single week, although everybody picked the Bears to be one of the worst teams in football, they seem to have a path and a way to winning. As mediocre as they are, as their issues pile up, and as things need to be resolved for the Bears, I'll tell you what, they're still a competitive football team at this stage in their rebuild. I like that. That 
makes me feel very good about the future. The Bears have a chance this weekend to beat the Dallas Cowboys in front of everybody in America. They have a chance to stun everyone again. And by the way, if they do win, that makes it a turning point for this season. A lot on the line coming up. And I'm hopeful that the Bears will make this competitive. But I wouldn't be surprised if they won. I don't pick it officially. But if they win, I'm going to be pretty happy, and I hope they prove me wrong like they did last week. Pressure Prescott. Force him to be who he's supposed to be without Zeke. Protect Fields and run more plays that cater to Fields. Take more plays out of that Baltimore playbook, and you're going to win. There's a path to victory. Once again, there is. It's all up to the Bears to execute and make it happen. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Chris Bowden comes up next. Stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Robert Jones of Glue, and we are back in ready for today's special guest. He's a WGN TV sports reporter and a 35 year sports media veteran. Please welcome Chris Bowden to the program. Chris, it's great to have you on. How are you? Good to be back with you. It's been a while, so uh, good to catch up. Yeah, great to catch up. Great to have you here. Um, what do you make of the Bears Patriots game? First off, we'll start there. Well, uh, I guess we should probably, it's obviously an encouraging step, but now it's a matter of whether it steps forward or steps backward from this point on. Gains a little bit of that consistency, because remember how excited we were after the Minnesota game, even though they came up short in that one, just the overall way they performed and got back in it. Uh, But then four days later, they laid the huge ache at Soldier Field against (laughs) Washington. And uh, so uh, you're hoping with what was established, what everybody's talking about, what the coaching staff was able to kind of reset and uh, rethink some situations that, you know, hopefully it's something that sticks and they can build off of from there. Um, you know, obviously impressive when you have 10 days to kind of game plan and make some tweaks. Now that that's on tape, let's see what they can do against one of the best defenses in the entire NFL going down to Dallas and having to face that defense. Um, some interesting questions that need to be raised with, you know, how much they're going to, design runs for Justin Fields. It certainly worked. Now that that's on tape, the Cowboys can sniff that out. Uh, are they going to run as probably as much as they should with that great pass rush that, that the Cowboys have as well? So you would think that's the way they're going to be thinking. Now we'll see if they implement that and are able to execute it, uh, which will uh, yeah certainly be a, a huge test against that D and Big D on Sunday. How encouraging was Justin Fields' performance on Monday? I liked it a lot. And but then again, I like the game against Minnesota a lot. So can he start stringing these together? And, you know, I'm not one of those guys where it's all on Justin's shoulders. I think this takes the village. This takes a symphony. And uh, the criticisms will continue for those rough games that he may have from here on out that he doesn't have enough around him from the offensive line to a receiver core. But now we just get to see how many steps he can take forward with the group that's around him. You know, I'm not holding my breath in Byron Pringle or um, uh, I'm just curious to see uh, whether this was never going to be linear. You know, now he has the equivalent of a full season of starting under his belt between last year and this year. It's 17 games. 
Now let's see if he can become more consistent with footwork, with his progressions, uh, with his accuracy and, um, you know, working with the goop around him. Yeah, he has some cause for blame if you were to go that far. To me, yeah, I think everybody should realize that there's plenty of blame to go around. By the same token, you know, what is Tom Brady doing right now to help Tampa Bay? What is Aaron <laughs> Rodgers doing right now to help Green Bay? So there ha- certainly has to make us has to have a certain amount of responsibility on his shoulders for his development, while also keeping in mind some of the guys that he has around. Do you think based on raw talent, he is the guy for the Bears? Um, I hope so. I think I think he, he is. And, you know, we have we have to root for this to happen. Um, I think everybody in town is because we've been waiting so long for that quarterback. But if he can start making these steps uh, incrementally and show that he is capable of being that starter for years to come, um, everyone has to root for that because you don't want to go into next year's draft looking for yet another quarterback of the future. If he can establish that self himself that way and uh, gain that trust and confidence both in himself and with his teammates and with his coaches and management. That way you can use these high draft picks next year on getting a number one receiver, getting a left tackle if you think you need a left tackle, uh, going out and getting the next Tommy Harris or the next edge rusher. Um, You can use that. If you're not going to re-sign Roquan Smith, where does that leave you at linebacker? So everyone should be rooting for this to happen. Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but I think everyone – should try and be in his corner. Now it's up to him to take that development and instill that sense of confidence in everyone. How'd you feel about the Robert Quinn train yesterday too? Well, he hasn't been that effective. Now, whether that's part of, you know, being double teamed based on what he did last year and the bears not having that Tommy Harris guy up front or, um, you know, the uh, Ottawa, the from years gone by on the other side. Uh, of what he had, what was Mark Anderson and uh, who else was in there back in the uh, in the mid two thousands, but uh, I think it was it was a good move. Yeah, it's going to hurt the locker room. Ryan Poles admitted as much with uh, the kind of guy that Robert Quinn was. But again, the production certainly wasn't there. This opens the door. Let's see what Dominique Robinson can do. Travis Gibson, I think, when he's been given the opportunities, has really flashed. Um, but you know, he's been in there on what half the snaps, sixty percent of the snaps. Uh, Al-Kadim Mohammed is a guy, one of Matt Eberflus's and Alan Williams's guys from Indianapolis. Uh, let's see if he can step up his production. Maybe there's someone else in the practice squad that they have an eye on and might want to elevate. So uh, the time is now, but just the fact that he only had, what, one, one and a half sacks through the first six games indicate that it's, uh, you know, it's been Robert Quinn's roller coaster career. He's had these off years, bounce back with strong years. This is a down year. Um, uh, I think a good move for the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, getting a veteran guy in there. And uh, as much as it might hurt the guys on the defensive side, not to have him in the room anymore, um, uh, this opportunity knocks for other guys to possibly step up. And, you know, I'm, I'm especially intrigued by Dominique Robinson and seeing what he might be able to do with a little bit more playing time and Gibson as well. So uh, I, I still don't think we're looking at a playoff team this year. Uh, John, so you might as well <laughs> at this point, if you can get a return for Robert Quinn, um, you know, I don't know if he could, there could have been a market any higher than a, a fourth round draft pick, but uh, you know, it, it's at least uh, another pick that Ryan Poles can hopefully utilize and turn into something good uh, next year. 
Let's play the what-if game. If the Bears play like they did on Monday for the rest of the year, could they be a playoff team? I know I'm kind of going on an edge here, but what do you think? Well, they'll definitely be in the hunt. If They're yeah. already in the hunt at three and four <laughs> for all those, all those other teams that are in the wild card chase right there with the Packers and, uh, uh, yeah, who else? So, uh, certainly, if they do, they could be. I mean, that would certainly shock the world. Uh, not that I'm holding my breath about that, but, you know, this is still a very young team. You're going to have a lot of inconsistency uh, uh, on both sides of the ball, too. And, you know, perhaps when you take a, away a guy like Robert Quinn, what does that do for the defense if other opposing offenses were paying a little bit more attention to him? But uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, like like the Blackhawks, I don't know if Ryan Bulls wants that to happen, if he wants a, a higher draft he did on Monday night. Um they can certainly put themselves in a good position come a month from now when the calendar starts flipping to December to potentially be in that discussion. Chris Bowden here on Sports Talk Chicago. Chris, what's your impression of the Bears' new regime and Eber Blues and Poles up to this point? Um, I think overall impressed. Uh, I mean, Ryan Poles has certainly had his share of bumps with the personnel decisions that he was making early on. Uh, the Ogan Joby signing, and then a couple of the guys that he brought in who are still on this team, and and Adams and Pringle got into some off-field issues as well. So that can come into question. But um, you know, I think overall, everyone there were so many there were so many holes to fill. I think we talked about this the last time we visited. That uh, no matter which direction you went, if you went and got a wide receiver. Uh, with your first or second pick there in the second round, where is the defensive backfield right now? Where is the secondary? Is it nearly as strong as it's looked so far, especially when Jalen Johnson is? We've seen what Jaquan Brisker can do. That ceiling is certainly high. I don't think we've seen what Kyler Gordon can totally do yet, but I think week by week uh, you're seeing steps in the right direction in terms of his reaching his potential, finally getting that pick on Monday night. So, uh, no matter what direction they headed in, he was probably going to be open to criticism. Uh, he bypassed, I think, some of the the sexier needs that there were on this roster, wide receiver, uh, left tackle offensive line in order to help Justin Fields. And I think that's what created a little bit more of that criticism of polls because he wasn't putting enough good guys around Justin Fields that he's eventually going to need. But he did address, you know, a few areas. Like I say, let's see what Robinson can do. I've been impressed with Brisker so far. I think Kyler Gordon still is going to be a good player. Bayless Jones Jr., I'm, I'm not sure about that yet. <laughs> uh, particularly the coaching staff's decision to put him at punt return. We only had 15 of those in his entire college career. So putting him in that position here in Chicago, I scratched my head a little bit about that. He was more of a kick return guy in college. So, um, you know, uh, they obviously got him out of that position on Monday night. Let's see how long that remains. And uh, I'd like to just see him take a break from the punt return duties, incorporate him into the offense a little bit more. We still didn't even see very much of that on Monday night. So um, this is another guy, even though he's an older rookie, you're going to have to try and uh, move along. I think there's potential there for him too. But uh, I think just a little bit overwhelmed by the whole punt returning thing here. What have you liked for Matt Eberflus coaching-wise so far? I like his directness, um, his coaching staff. I'm sure you've had other guests come on and say uh, that they certainly make their share of decent halftime adjustments, especially on the defensive side of the ball. 
uh, you know, there's certainly been some of those ugly first halves that they've experienced. And, you know, it started going a little bit sideways there with the zappy factor on Monday night in New England. But uh, they've managed to, to uh, do a pretty good job. Um, obviously, the big grade here is going to be what Luke Getzi is able to do with Justin Fields, how far he progresses here the rest of the year. Um, I'm a little bit confounded that it took them six games uh, and a kind of a mini bye week in order to figure out how to utilize him to notice that, Hey, look what Baltimore does with Lamar Jackson and utilize him that way. So um, it's been kind of a tough go for these former green Bay assistant coaches between Hackett and Denver and, <laughs> and Luke Getzey here for the first few weeks in Chicago. Um, but again, he's a first timer in this particular role too. So uh, to me, the most, the most important the most important coach on that staff is Luke Getze and what he's going to be able to do with Justin Fields from this point on. I think a lot of people might be disappointed uh, that clock hasn't sped up for Fields for the first six games, but you know uh, we've seen a couple of adjustments made and and we'll see if they stick in it where he can take steps in growth from here. Do you think that's going to be sustainable, that sort of Lamar Jackson-type offensive approach for Justin Fields and for this Bears team? Um. I, you know what? I, I, a lot will depend on on how that offensive line is able to hold up. I mean, who's who knows what we have this week with Larry Borum and concussion protocol as we as we uh, tape this on on Thursday afternoon. Um, Braxton Jones really going through a, a trial by fire. You'd hope Cody Whitehair can come back. Uh, I think he's got one or two more games before he's able to come back. Lucas Patrick has been a disappointment, just a bad luck type of disappointment. So. Uh, if they can keep Justin upright, keep him healthy through the remainder of the season uh, without him getting too down on himself, which I thought we saw a couple of times earlier in the first month and a half of the season based on the numbers and the performance. Um, you know, I'm certainly hoping it can be sustainable. If they can sustain that run game that they have so far this season as, as the top rushing offense in the entire NFL, props to them because you're, that's halfway through your battle. If you can establish that, you can do that this Sunday against Dallas and take that pass rush away by running at a Micah Parsons and uh, at our Demarcus Lawrence. Um, that's half your battle. If they can sustain that uh, throughout the remainder of the season, uh, that'll be a big step in doing so because at least gives the opposing defenses something to think about. And hopefully that opens things up in the passing game too. And for as much as we've criticized the Bears' offense, I will say I certainly didn't expect them to be the top rushing offense in the NFL for right. Week 6. That's something that I don't think any of us expected. Really, unbelievable. When you look at the makeup of that line when this when this season started, when you had uh, the last two fifth-round picks as your bookends <laughs> on the offensive line. And, um, uh, you know, and actually, if, if you go by the coach's decision, whether it's, okay, let's throw these kids in the fire, or whether they have just simply outperformed a couple of veteran counterparts in practice in Schofield and Riley Reef, even though I know Schofield is more of a guard type. But, um, you know, props to them for having having that kind of a start. And, you know, because Lucas Patrick is an undrafted free agent. Sam Mustafer is an undrafted free agent. Uh, Cody Whitehair is a former second-round draft pick. So when you look at that conglomeration uh, of putting together the top-rushing offense – uh, in the league, uh, there certainly ought to be said for that. So, again, if they can keep that going, you know, props to them. How excited are you for this Bears team come next year? I mean, if this year goes the way it could go, maybe 7-10 and 10 team, but next year with all this cap space and with what they've done already, what do you expect? I mean, I would, I would hope that 
if Fields is is the answer, and and he 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 keeps progressing, that Ryan Poles with uh, the cachet and the cash that he has, uh, I shouldn't say cachet, cash that he has coming into the offseason is going to take a mindset that what we've heard Jed Hoyer say that he is going to do with the Cubs, and that's be aggressive in the offseason, add some big pieces to uh, to round up what which has been you know a fairly young nucleus with more kind of waiting in the wings in the minors as far as the Cubs system is concerned. If you can get enough guys to develop here this season um, and, you know, that trajectory becomes positive as the deeper the season goes and whether you find out whether Braxton Jones is the guy, if he can strengthen his base a little bit, if he is your left tackle of the future, same way with Borum on the other side. Um, if, if Kyler Gordon continues to make steps in that secondary um, and, you know, you get a, a young player or two on the defensive line who is a piece for the future. Um, you know, I think that if that progress continues to be made here over the next two final two months of the season, you know, and they get a little bit people a little bit excited and you're finding some answers for the future, um, then it should be a, a fairly exciting offseason with all that space. And uh, the big yeah question hanging into the offseason will be whether they can do something with Roquan Smith. They certainly have the cash to do it if they want. Smith, I think you would probably agree that his season so far uh, has been worthy of a pretty fat paycheck that he might be looking for. Um, you know, whether the Bears want to go that far or try to get Roquan to have a little bit of meeting ground, um, that'll be an interesting question. But, you know, removing him from the middle of that defense and having to go out and try and find someone else to do the job that he has done so far, at least through the first seven games, would be a challenge. That'll be I think that'll be the, the first step that, that uh, Ryan Poles is going to have to figure out going into the offseason. What a come with Chris Boda. In just a moment, stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Chris Bonin, still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Chris, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, WGN, how did it all come up? You were promoted uh, back in May, I believe. Yeah, really, really, uh, really uh, grateful and humbled that uh, to be a part of that team over there. And, you know, uh, I, I heard through the grapevine that, you know, Dan Rohn, uh, one of the greatest sportscasters in Chicago history, uh, had been thinking of retiring for a while, and that his time was, was winding down. Um, so that presented an opportunity, a uh, potential opportunity down the road. And um, so I just wanted to get my foot in the door. When they started GN Sports um, a couple of years ago, it was about uh, 14 months ago, August of, of last year, 2021, where they decided to expand it to the weekends as well. It was just Monday through Friday. So um, good friend and colleague, Bob Vorwald, oversees a lot of the sports programming at the part-time in per diem and you know to especially um uh, during the college football and basketball seasons when dave ennett who would fill in every now and then would be a little bit more tied up um they got me in the door there and uh between vacation times and covid running through the sports office at one point over the holidays <laughs> last year i got a whole lot of work and then it was just a matter of you know whether um uh, the other bosses, the decision makers were happy with the job I was doing and while evaluating who else might be out there. And uh, 
I was, uh, you know, hoping, praying, and, and they were answered that uh, I was able to get a full-time opportunity. It's really a great office to work in from, you know, uh, JP and now with Caitlin Sharkey coming aboard, uh, along with Josh Friedman, who's just a, a terrific anchor reporter, along with a, a great stables of, of producers, Rick Tarzitano and uh, Joe Libator, uh, leading those guys. Uh, it's really a fun place to work, energetic and uh, what really made me want to get that job even more is really TV wise. It's the place in town to work right now with the half hour show every night, going a little bit more in depth, being able to tell stories um, uh, that kind of re reckoned back to the day when Comcast Sportsnet was putting on, you know, uh, an hour and a half, uh, at least of just recap news programming strictly not strictly but primarily focusing on chicago teams and that's what we're doing right now we're the only uh we're the only station in town to do it with uh, this amount of depth and this amount of frequency what's it media too because you've worked at a lot of different places throughout your career nationally locally so what's it media to now get to wgn and be full-time there no it's great i mean you know uh when i was a kid growing up back in the day when the the cubs were on you know, even though I was a South Sider, I'd come home from school and uh, and uh, check out the end of the game. Um, and you know, there were there were so many other sports tied into WGN through the years as well. I mean, every every team in town, with the exception of you know the Bears having national uh, network contracts, uh, every team in town has been on there at some point. I know we don't have the play-by-play -play programming right now, especially after you know the fire uh, contract ran out. But still, despite that, the fact that we're on every night and talking about it and bringing coverage uh, makes me really excited. And to uh, go to a place like WGN, uh, the only place I haven't worked in town here is ABC Channel 7. So uh, I've made the rounds. I've gotten around here in town and uh, just uh, just glad that uh, uh, people are still welcoming me and uh, not turning their their TV sets off when uh when uh, the old guy who uh, grew up around here and has been a lifer here uh, can help uh, share them the day's news. Chris, before we finish up today, last question. I warned you this time, so I hope I hope we have an answer. What's and I the, knew the answer to this one right away. Okay. Too. What's the best moment you've had covering Chicago sports? Yeah, and I've been really lucky. Um, uh, I wasn't in Houston or Cleveland for the World Series clinchers. Uh, I got to cover some games here in town, but those two teams clinched out of town. Uh, um, I was there for uh, Philadelphia and for the Blackhawks. There uh, are the six titles in eight years and all the drama that went along with it. Um, I was able to cover, I think, I wasn't in LA. Uh, I wasn't at the home clincher versus Portland, but for the other four, I was there for those. But I think uh, the, the best moment that I had um, was being on the same float as Jonathan Taves for the 2013 Stanley Cup parade through downtown Chicago. Um, I was able to do some interviews with him, but just to be able to witness the sea of people going through the streets of downtown Chicago and kind of being a small part of the epicenter of that bus that Jonathan and uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember whether the, the Hawks brass at the time or was on that bus or they were, everyone was kind of spread out and distributed, but being there with Jonathan uh, as, you know, all the fans were adoring him and, you know, the cup was being passed from a couple of the, the, uh, the buses to the other and to be there standing right next to him and, and filming it and being able to interview him while he was 
raising that cup while thousands of people lined the streets. Uh, that was that was really a cool rush, and um, that was probably that was probably the one moment most uh, just because it was something the town was already celebrating. They weren't sweating it out. Um, I wasn't going crazy trying to do ten or fifteen interviews with guys who are popping champagne and pouring beer right after they had won a cup. Uh, he was just able to let it all loose and celebrate uh, was, was probably the highlight. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Best wishes as always with WGN and looking forward to the next time we chat too. Looking forward to it too. Thanks, John. Great talk there with Chris Bowden. That'll do it for us today. You're on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Chris Bowden himself and all of you tuned into today's program feel free to follow me on twitter and instagram at john z sports facebook john's a glue want to watch more of this show head on over to sportstalkchicago.com so long everyone no no